Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Welcome to the Sports Bubble, a production of iHeartRadio and Treefort Media. My name is Jensen Karp, and I'm a sports fan. And when there's no athletic competition on TV, well, you have to look to other outlets to quench your thirst. And a byproduct of this loss is my sudden engagement with the drama of online influencers and streaming celebrities. I know, it's just gross, but somehow I've been sucked in. It's probably the boredom. Whether it was following the NBA 2K tournament, rooting on Crocs enthusiast Gavin Lux playing MLB The Show League, or somehow falling down the mainstream rabbit hole of 2020 YouTube drama, I am hooked. We're all gravitating towards our computers and phones during the pandemic, and I'm just thankful I have good Wi-Fi. But can esports and streaming actually maintain the attention it's grabbed during this lull in actual sports? Will we all just live in that one Fred Savage movie, The Wizard, where he competes to win a video game and people all over the world actually care about it? Or is this just another fleeting online craze, like MySpace or Jeeves or Tila Tequila? And what in the hell is going on with these banned YouTubers? This episode, we dive in headfirst into a very shallow pool. First, I'll speak with the incredibly impressive Nadal Mama I'm That Man Nasser, the reigning MVP of the NBA 2K League and its first individual player to sign an endorsement deal. We talk about why he's better than me at video games, the community of esports, and he helps me pick a unique handle for my future online. Then, in a new installment of Fandemic, I talk to early YouTube pioneer Kasim G in hopes he can decipher the current controversies and questionable content costing creators millions of dollars in revenue. He also explains how he has a podcast with both kids from The Sopranos that has nothing to do with The Sopranos. It's an internet-focused episode discussing one of the many outlets we've clung to during this very weird time. It's time to spark up your modem in the sports bubble. So I want to start off by asking you where you've been uh, during this crazy time, especially during quarantine and with who? Um, so the last three months, actually more like four months, I've been in Portland around February. And um, this is actually my first time being home. So I'm currently in San Bruno, California for the last couple of days. Uh, I'm going back to Portland tomorrow, quarantining for however long they need me to quarantine for, and then getting back into swing of things. 
Yeah, I guess that's the crazy part too. Like I, before I did research on the 2K League and talking to you, I, I would have never thought you'd actually have to move to the city that you're playing in. It's crazy. It's wild. Like when it all came to fruition and I got drafted to Portland, I was shocked. I was like, I'm going to Portland. I'm from California. So it was just like mind blowing. I was like, I was completely shocked. So, um, but as you get accustomed to Portland and like the different cities that everyone goes to, it gets better as the time goes on. Sure. And you could technically play your game online anywhere. You could have stayed in California. But I think it's actually kind of cool that the NBA 2K League has all the teams meet up in the city for which they play in, just like they're on an NBA team. And you guys all live together, right? Yeah. So we live in apartments of two. So it'll be me and my roommate. And then there's three apartments. We all live basically on top of each other. So fourth floor, fifth floor, sixth floor, um, see each other every day which could get annoying after a while. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's all good. And then you guys practice like in the morning. It's the same thing as like an NBA team that was put in like a hotel for a night. Yeah, I mean, we practice probably from 11 to 5 almost every day, except for like Sundays or game days, whatever the case may be. So how much of your professional life changes because of quarantine? Like what what actually differs during the pandemic? I would say the biggest thing that differentiates throughout the whole season is that we can't fly to New York. So flying to New York kind of gives you that 2K league feeling where like I'm in the league and this is my profession. We fly every week. So we're flying from Portland to New York every week to play a 45 to 50 minute game in front of fans and stuff like that. And that's really where we thrive is in front of people and entertaining while playing. And that's kind of where our market is. So even though the teams are in each of the cities uh, for which you guys play with, the games take place once a week in New York. Once a week. Well, multiple days throughout mm-hmm. the week, but in New York. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but we all come in at different times to go play that game. That is pretty intense that they have you move to the same city just to fly to New York, which is not your hometown. And now you're yeah. living not in your hometown. But if you want to see your family, you have to go to your hometown. Exactly. And then also on top of everything, just the flights. Like We, we fly six hours. So imagine flying on Monday. We have a game on Wednesday. We fly on Monday, six hours to New York. We fly back on Thursdays, another six hours back to Portland. So it's kind of hectic every single week, but you got to get used to it. I would have never thought that. It's like you guys play online. You would think you'd reap the benefits. Yeah, <laughs> no. Not at all. Well, well, playing in person is more beneficial than playing online because it's just like it's that intense eye-to-eye feeling compared to online where you're comfortable in your own house. Well, especially for you, who you kind of trash talk, you're a little more yeah. animated than the rest of the league. Right. Uh, let's get into how you got into video games. When did it start? Um, it started when I was probably in third, fourth grade. I asked my dad for a PS2 and he was all about school, school, school. You know, as long as you have this sort of GPA or whatever the case may be, I'll get it for you. So I obtained that GPA, I got the PS2 and it was love at first sight from then. I was playing Call of Duty, Madden, all sports games. Um, I didn't get into 2K until 2011, 2010. Kobe was on the cover. I was around probably 13, 14 and I got that 3.5. I got the Xbox. I got the game, and then from there, it was over. So how did you know you were good? Like, Because I feel like I was good at a couple games back in the NES days, but I didn't know if I would compete nationally. Like, How does it go from just being a dude who got into 2K like basketball in real life, and now you're competitively in the top? So funny story. I was just, it was in high school, and I, my, all my friends would want to play. You know, And my close friends knew how much I loved the game, and they knew that throughout my whole life, I've always played the game, and I was good at it. But I never really played in front of them. So it was the first time I played in front of them. And I was knocking each person down 20 points, 25, 30, 35. And people were like, oh, no, now we want to start gambling. It's because they thought that it was all fluke. So it would be people throughout my school, my close friends, just 20 bucks, 30 bucks. And every game wouldn't be close. And it got to a certain point where I felt like I'm not going to play anymore because I know that, you know, I'm going to win. And there was one weekend we went to Tahoe. 
And we played for like $700, $800. And I swept through everybody in Tahoe. It was like five, six people. And they were all like stunned. And at that point, I was like, okay, I know I'm good at this. And that's why I started playing competitively online, day in and day out, met everybody in the community. And from there on. Yeah. And like your dad who had a bit of an issue even buying you the Xbox. Now you have to explain to him it's what you want to do for a living. Because I know you went to like San Francisco State or something, right? And and this was the decision you were going to make. Yeah, my dad was never really big on it. You know, if I got a bad grade in school, the Xbox would be out of my room that night. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah, for good reason. And at the time, I didn't understand it, right? Yeah, so when it all came together and I got drafted for it, it was kind of like, I told you so. Like, I knew this was going to happen, even though I really didn't. But it was always kind of like a sixth sense. And so now he loves it. He supports all the time, shows all his friends and all that good stuff. So it's awesome. Well, I do want to talk about that drafting. So you are the reigning MVP of the NBA 2K League. We'll get into the history you've made during this pandemic as well. But first, you were drafted in the second round. What am I missing? Did you get better? Did people underestimate you? I think it was more underestimated me. So I came into the community and I used to play a different mode than Pro-Am. So Pro-Am is the mode that we play in the league build. That's what the mode is called, a retail version. So I would play Team Up, which is a whole different side of the game. And so many people knew me. But people didn't really know me like that. So when I came into the community, of course, you're going to have doubters and people that say, oh, he's not good enough. He's just doing this. He's just doing that. And I wasn't playing my original position point guard when I came into that mode where everyone had their eyes on. And so I was playing power forward, small forward, just jumping around, just trying to fit in. The goal was to get in. And so it was crazy that when the combine came around, I had to make a decision. It was either I stuck with what got me here, which was power forward, small forward, or I went with my gut, which was point guard. And I took that risk. And I told myself, if I'm going to get to the big stage, if I'm going to be who I am and have my gamer tag and all that good stuff, I want to play point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's who I've always been. I've always liked to be a leader on and off the floor. And so this is what I was destined to do. And so um, I showed up in the combine, dominated throughout. And so since I played point guard instead of my other positions, I felt like I kind of slipped throughout the draft. Oh. And so I ended up on Portland. And what is explain to me the difference between retail and what you play in the league. So if I buy the, the game, which I did, and I play it at home, what is the differences I'm looking at than the one you do professionally? The one professionally, so on retail, you can get your my player to 90, 92, 99. It doesn't matter what his overall is, you can go ahead and play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mechanics on retail or the sliders are on, on all-star, I believe, on retail. So it's easier to make shots. It's easier to make passes. It's easier to make free throws. Everything is easier on the retail version. When you get into the league, the league build is much harder to score, much harder to defend, much harder to move, much harder to shoot. And all our players are capped at a 92 overall. Oh, crazy. So instead of you having all these moves that you would have in retail, you wouldn't. You'd have a set of moves because you're 92 and you have to differentiate yourself throughout the pack. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, where did you get this online handle, Mama, I'm that man? So, you know, watching the Warriors and all that good stuff, living in San Francisco. Mark Jackson came to our team. Mm-hmm. He was our head coach for a year or two, whatever the case may be. And I love Mark Jackson, just the way he commentates and all that good stuff. And he has so many catchphrases. And one of them was, Mama, there goes that man when it's a big time fourth quarter shot or big time shots in general. Yeah. And so I would always look at that and just kind of click, like, Mama, I'm that man. And I've always loved like fourth quarter moments, like, give me the ball, move on my way, and let me do my thing. And so that's where it kind of uh, came into, uh, well, that's what happened. Listen, that's that's a big contribution by Mark Jackson in Golden State, considering yeah. it wasn't there long. Uh, yeah. Okay. Quarantine during it, approximately 1.7 million new players flocked to NBA 2K, bringing the total players up to 10.3 million. Without sports in our lives, clearly people got into PlayStation and NBA 2K in general. Did you expect so many people to pick up a controller because sports was missing? 
I did, but I didn't. I feel like there's always been a stigma where video games just kind of just pushed to the side and esports in general, especially our esports kind of pushed to the side. So I never thought it would give us a real chance. But I feel like once we got on ESPN2, we got on YouTube, Twitch, all those platforms, and this was happening, unfortunately. Everyone had nothing to do but watch us. And so when they started to watch us, I feel like we've gained more fans than we've gained in the last two years. Um, I feel like the league is growing and, and it's only up from here. Yeah, and and during it, NBA stars competed against each other. Did you get to watch the Players League at all? I get to watch. Well, I watched a little bit of it, uh, not too much because I was focused on my season, but I did watch a little bit of it. Could Devin Booker hang? He won the whole tournament. Could he be an esports pro? We talked to Ronnie Two K about it. He wasn't sure. What do you think? Ah, man, to be honest, I think there's no chance. Mm-hmm. I, th- I just think he's too busy. Well, no, I mean skills wise. Let's say let's say he let's say the league doesn't come together. Everyone's nervous about what's going on right now. Let's say he's not busy. He's just sitting at home. Could he join the esports league? He would have to show me before I give him that pass. I can't <laughs> just give him the pass because I've worked too hard to get that pass. I can't just give him the card and be like, yeah, you'd make it. And so as of right now, no way, no chance. But you were surprised. You were surprised by how good he was. I was definitely surprised. He played really well. Yeah. All right. You scored, I have to get this straight because I tried to figure it out by research. You scored 77 points against the Bucks team in NBA 2K in, in right. a league play. I read that there's a controversy about this game because they played kind of cheap. Back in my day, if you played Street Fighter 2 and someone was Blanca and just repeatedly kept doing the electricity move, that was like cheap play. That's what I'm getting out of what the Bucks did to you in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so what happened was the first quarter I scored 31, mm-hmm. and it was just in a blink of an eye. I didn't realize it. And by halftime, I had like 50, and I was like 16 for 17. And I was only the only reason I even slowed down my pace in the second quarter was just because I wanted to shoot a perfect percentage the whole game. And so my teammates were like, no, 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 go for the record, go for the record. And the record's what, like, it's like early 80s, right? It, the, the record's 84. Okay. The record's 84, and it was... um the first season and it was in double overtime. Oh, okay. So, you know, he had much more time than me. Yeah. And so when that third quarter came, I was like, okay, I'm going for the record. And at the end of the third, I had like 69, 70 points. And going into the fourth, the Bucks didn't break the record. For whatever reason, I felt like it would have benefited both of us. Yeah. Uh, not only do I get the record, but the league grows because everyone's going to get eyes that I broke the record. But that's near here or there. Mm-hmm. And we get into the fourth quarter and they hold the ball for the whole 24 seconds oh. when we get the ball. And then when I get on offense, they were putting all five guys on me, not allowing me to score. So I tried and I could have prolonged the game and gave myself every opportunity, but I didn't want to drain my teammates. Right. Looking back on it, I kind of wish I did prolong the game, but it was a best three and it was a first game. So I didn't want to lose a series. The win was more important to me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cheap play for sure. So explain to me why you're better than me. Okay. So you, you clearly know when to shoot the ball in the game. You, your, your release of the button, all of those things play into it, right? Like what else can I chalk up to you being this much better than me? My biggest advice to people just trying to get into it and get better at the game is a mindset, uh, going into each game, outsmarting your opponent. A lot of 2k is easy to master. And I I say easy as in the controls are right in front of you. I mean, it's not rocket science. They're going to give you exactly what you can do. But the point is, is to put it together and outplay your opponent. So if he goes left, I'm going right. If he's shading me right, I'm going left. You know, if I'm going to the paint, I'm pump faking the first time. But the second time I'm coming down, I'm going straight up. Kind of playing mind games throughout the whole game. And that way people can't read what you're going to do. You're not predictable. And you can go from there. Do you ever jump on the retail just to screw people over? 
sometimes I get in the park just to play with people or just to dominate them. And they send me a message like, you're not even that good or who are you or all that. Even though I'll be, I'll be front and center on the park. Like they have like a, an advertisement right now and I'll be front and center and they'll be like, Oh, who are you? And I'll be like, yeah, that's, yeah. I love that. Uh, all right. So you became the first NBA 2k player in the league to get an endorsement signing with point three. Did you ever imagine this could happen in college convincing your father, this is a job and now you have an endorsement. No chance. No chance. What is it? So tell people what Point3 is. So Point3 is a sports clothing brand. It's more for basketball. And so we have this technology, dry beat technology. And so it's on our shorts mainly. And so what happens there is that if your hands get sweaty or you're guarding somebody that's sweaty, you don't want to you don't want to mess up with the ball in your hand for the most part. What is this real life basketball here? This is not video games. Mm-hmm. And so the patented technology on the hip of the shorts allows you to swipe down. It's kind of like some sort of a towel in a sense. You can swipe down and release all that sweat from your hand and get right back in the game. So for me, it's after those long competitive hours, you know, sometimes my hands get a little bit moist or just people's hands get moist throughout the day. And so um, they're my new shorts. I wear them everywhere and anywhere. Um, and so that technology is awesome. And as time goes on, they're going to be rolling out more and more. And it's only up. It's great, man. Uh, all right, question, and this is a newbie kind of question. Can you sell an endorsement for your player in the game? Like, can your player have a certain shirt on? Can they have a certain shoe? Could you sign with Nike? You know what I mean? Like, are they ever thinking about that stuff, about your kind of like your avatar, per se? Within the 2K League? Yeah. Or on the retail version? Uh, I mean, either one, really. So right now, we have uh, endorsement with Champion as a whole. Okay. The whole league has endorsement with Champion. So Champion has all their clothing when it comes to the 2K League. But yeah. outside of the 2K League, like my personal um, endorsement, I wear point three almost everywhere I go. But um, in 2K League itself, it's Champion. Got it. Very cool. So obviously, things have been crazy uh, in this world, whether it's the pandemic or the racial injustices that we're seeing. I wanted to talk to you about how NBA 2K, for some reason, NBA in general, but NBA 2K has a very strange pulse on society, right? Like, even within kind of like the hype beast world, whenever something happens in NBA 2K, it, it's front page. Maybe Madden right. gets front cover, you know, oh, who's on the front cover, whatever. But NBA 2K had, I remember they had signs that said, you know, wash your hands, things during the pandemic that they added in the game. Right. On top of that, players recently were uh, given the chance to wear Black Lives Matter shirts. And there was a protest set up in the playground why does it seem that this game has their ear to the street or finger on the pulse or whatever it is more than other video games? I think it's because it's global. I think that our audience ranges from United States to China, everywhere in between. Um, and also our community is really different. So, you know, sometimes you'll get the part of the community that's toxic and you don't want to be a part of it and you kind of want to stay away from it. But then the other part, like you said, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement or and all that good stuff, you want to be a part of it. You're you're proud to be a part of it, and you want to get involved. So it's it's just weird, but I think 2K does a good job at attacking what's in front of us and attacking what's going on in the world and always addressing it. Just like when Kobe unfortunately passed, it was automatically RIP Kobe. They put up, paid their condolences, all that good stuff, and that makes you appreciate the game more than they can actually imagine. Absolutely. With sports slowly returning, there's a rumor going around that a lot of the leagues are going to use video game noise in the television broadcast. And then there's some people saying that even in the stadium, you're going to hear like NBA 2K kind of style uh, yelling. And that's how you're going to get sort of the energy of the crowd. You are always around that when you're at least not in front of people in New York City. Is this going to make people excited? Do you get excited when you're playing and you hear fake applause? 
when there's a big play or a big moment, the crowd in your ear, especially in my headset, it actually gets you the adrenaline pumping a little bit. And it's weird because you'd be like, usually a lot of a lot of players in the league turn it off, turn the audience, all that crowd noise off because they mm-hmm. want to focus in on the game. But for me, I leave it on just for the shot clock. And when I started to get going, like when I was scoring 77, the crowd would not stop cheering in my ear and so at that point it's kind of just like i gotta keep going this feeling is like amazing i gotta keep going so um hopefully hopefully it comes out to where we want it to be and when the nba picks back up will be awesome who do you who do you play with if you're on retail you know, on quick match i'll play with the warriors mm-hmm. uh of course but if i'm playing pro you're talking about prime or just in quick match itself i mean if it's not you if you're not playing as yourself Oh, if I'm not playing myself, it just it ranges. It actually matters what team my opponent picks. I usually let them pick first because I'll give them the advantage. Like if they pick the Bucks, I can't pick the Warriors without Steph Clay and all those guys. But sure. if Steph and Clay on the game, I'm picking the Warriors every time. All right, uh, all right. I need a handle. Okay, no one knows the the game of NBA 2K better than you. I have never picked my own handle. You have arguably the best, maybe in video game history. Uh, you are the he hate me of NBA 2K. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to throw some possibilities at you. You help me choose from these uh, four possibles. Let's do it. All right. First, your handle is a nod to the Bay Area. Clearly, people have to know Mark Jackson was the coach, and he denounces, and he's a warrior kind of at heart. I want to stay in the region. I want to give a nod to the sitcom Full House, and I want my name to be Cut It Out. Big letters, C-U-T it out. Okay. All right, that's the first one. Okay. Not great. Okay, second one. I want it to reflect that I'm a 40-year-old man playing this game that's mostly reserved for teens and early 20s. I want my name to be I Am a Narc. Okay, that one might that one might be controversial. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine me walking through the playground, but above me it says I am a narc. Yeah, that would cause some problems. Okay, I want people to start playing against me, and I want them to assume that I'm bad. I want them to lower expectations so that even if I score two in a game, they're like, wow, he was better than I thought. So I thought about the name James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Are you from New York? I mean, no, but I'm a, I'm a Knicks. I mean, we're all Knicks fans in a sense that we like have to watch what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to see. I mean, I was going to say his band name, but I don't even know his band name. Yeah, I know. All right. Okay, so James Dolan, cut it out, and I'm an artist. All right, last one. Uh, it's a play on one of my favorite NBA stars, right? It's just off his name from the New, York, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. I want to be Jew Holiday instead of Drew Holiday. Okay, that's a good one. Jew Holiday. That kind of speaks to yourself. Yes. It gives you perspective of who you like. Yep. It kind of gives you, well, you, you said you're a Knicks fan. I'm a Clippers diehard, but I'm, I'm a Knicks fan in the same way that I like watched Jerry Springer as a kid. Like you can't look away. Okay. Yeah. So you're a Clippers fan. Okay. So the only, well, the only problem is that Drew's in the Pelicans. Right. And so you kind of like, just be like, okay, you know, Pelicans fan, but the name speaks to yourself. I think the most important thing with the game tag is it speaks to yourself. So I like cut it out. Mm-hmm. Because cut it out, it's like just a basketball, like just yep. cut it out. Like just stop. It's You can take it as like, you can't guard me. Sure. You're not better than me. There's a lot of things there that I like about it. But the Jew holiday speaks to yourself. Kind of gives you one of your favorite players if he is, hopefully. Yeah. And you can go from there. So I would go from one of those two. All right. I'm a narc. It's tough. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, tough. it's a fine line. It's tough. <laughs> it might speak most to my actual personality, but yes, I agree with you. It's probably too much. <laughs> Uh, well, dude, thank you for talking to me. I'm excited to see you uh, to take over the league in a sense that I can't watch real basketball yet. So I'm, 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 I've listened. I've watched more NBA 2K than I've ever watched. I'm happy to be there and happy to have spoken to you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me.
After this, in our latest Fandemic installment, I check in with Kasim G, comedian and co-host of Pajama Pants Podcast, to hear all about the drama happening with the biggest Twitch gamers and stars on YouTube. Right now, Feeding America is working tirelessly to ensure our most vulnerable populations, like students who are out of school, the elderly, individuals whose jobs are impacted, and low-income families continue to have access to food and other needed resources during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Feeding America Food Bank Network is committed to serving communities and people facing hunger in America, and their greatest need is donations and support of local food banks. This podcast is committed to donating a portion of the proceeds from the show to Feeding America, and we hope that you can join us in this effort too. Find out how you can help at feedingamerica.org backslash COVID-19. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Now, here's my pandemic chat with Kasim G. Call from Kasim G. To accept, press 1. Press Kasim, I feel like you are a bit of a translator for me in this case, if that's okay. I feel like a very old in this situation, very unhip narc, trying to figure out the drama that is Twitch and YouTube in the past few weeks. 
Yeah, look, I take no joy in being this translator. I'm going to be 37 this year. So um, I'm doing this purely just to help another old man out. Thank you. Um, I I feel like we got to look out for each other, but I don't take any pride knowing what I know and what I'm about to share. Well, you're grandfathered in. That's fine. When did you start with your own YouTube channel? You were part of the early adopters. Yeah, I was early. I, I started in like 2007 and, you know, I was like 23 at the time. So... YouTube was a very different place. There's, you know, not a lot of people on it. And it was kind of, I'd say it was easier to make a name for yourself back then. And um, essentially, it could be, you know, partly my fault of uh, why why all these people are on there now and, and all the drama and, and the Logan and the Jake Pauls of the world could, could be my doing now that I think about it. Here's the thing. Like, in my opinion, I remember the early rush of YouTubers, right? So I remember a handful of you guys. And I remember sort of being told that people like Hannah Hart, you were the actual talented ones. It was like almost like someone had sort of like siphon and I had to figure out which ones were good. And then I saw you when I worked at Jash, you did the the famous Norm MacDonald pre-game interview, which should go into the recording hall of fame where, where Norm MacDonald shows up to interview YouTubers with you guys. And you understood the joke. Jenny Slate understood the joke, but that made me a Kasim G fan immediately. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I, you know, it was... Um... You know, and I appreciate all the kind words you said. I, I think uh, getting to the point where I was able to work with Norm and like Norm was so great that day. It was, it was a day I'll never forget because we were all told to dress up. Norm shows up in sweatpants and like a, I think it was like a UCLA sweatshirt sure. and ASIC sneakers on, and uh, he didn't give a fuck. And I thought it was so great. And to have somebody of his caliber roasting YouTubers, people that I knew was such a joy. I don't know why, um, you know, people would, would ask me if I was offended or I was like, no, what a, what a, what a true honor it was to have a legend like Norm MacDonald um, saying the names of people that were famous on the internet, but nowhere else. I think that was, uh, it was a real treat. Yeah. Well, you know, I say this to, to, to move forward in a sense that I put you in sort of the upper echelon, able to decipher what's going on. What has happened to YouTube and streaming since those early days, since those pioneering days? Just explain to me how we've gotten stupider. Yeah. Um, well, it's a great question. And it's one I, you know, I try and think about. And it seems to me that it seemed so easy to do what we did. And I'm not saying it was hard, hard work. It was, it was a lot of hard work. But it, I think when people saw... Because let's face it, on early YouTube, there was... It wasn't necessarily quality that rose to the top. It was consistency. And if you were consistent, people um, were attached and they developed a sort of relationship with people on YouTube. And that's what allowed people to rise. And I think people that were savvy were able to see that. And it was one of those things where you go, oh, I could do that. And so you had this influx of thousands and thousands of people who saw how much money people were making on YouTube and decided they would do it for themselves. And with that influx comes a lot of talented people. And then it comes, uh, there comes some uh, untalented people. And um, you're going to get the good with the bad. But uh, that's what happened. There was a, a huge surge of people now doing what you know we thought we were kind of just like screwing around with the daily vlogging and 
sketches on YouTube and just talking to camera. Now there's all these different types of formats. And Mm -hmm. you also saw a development of like live streaming become a huge part of this too. And, And sites like Twitch, which were taking advantage of an area of the market that YouTube wasn't paying attention to, which was people going live in the moment, talking to a chat. Right. And online engagement is everything. If you talk to your viewers and as a viewer, you're being talked to by somebody that you you enjoy, that makes everything different. It's, right. it's, a, it's a different relationship you have than if you're um, watching Breaking Bad. And you know, I love Brian Cranston, but I don't get to talk to Brian Cranston in a chat while I'm watching Brian Cranston. And I think people um, develop a much stronger connection to the personalities that they watched and sites like YouTube and Twitch and since Mixer have, have, have come and gone. But uh, that's been a big... Um, that's just been what happens when everyone decides to do what a few people did uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. So I wanted to get you on the show because... Without sports, it has been difficult to follow something drama-filled. I mean, normally I'd be watching the NBA Finals. I'd be trying to figure out these inside stories. I'd I'd be rooting for my team, whatever it is. And so much of the world has taken that energy and focused it in on what's going on on YouTube and Twitch and really cancel culture in general. But boy, has YouTube and streaming been uh, really front and center for it. And and I, I wanted to start by talking about Dr. Disrespect, which is a name I didn't even know until last week when I'm just searching for anything on the internet to follow. Can you explain to me how... I, this is what I think. I, I just saw him two weeks ago. This is like if Joe Dirt won an Oscar. It's like, this is like if Ali G was actually an incredible rapper. This dude's in character. Yeah, He's doing sort of like this mullet and mustache vibe thing going on, kind of like an Al Unser NASCAR look. Yeah, But he's also very good at video gaming and streaming mm-hmm. it on Twitch. So so tell me about him and then why we hate him. Uh, yes. So um, look, so Dr. Disrespect is, uh, you know, if you've signed on to the internet within the last couple of weeks, you were greeted with the, with a, a very menacing face. And this is a guy who has a mullet, um, very, you know, Nolan Ryan-esque reflective sunglasses, uh, a headset. And um, no one knows who he is. I have friends asking me. And, you know, again, a, a man my age, I actually know who he is and I'm I'm not proud of it, but I will do my best to explain. Thank you. Dr. Disrespect is a Twitch streaming personality. He's actually among what I consider to be one of the, the higher tier quality yeah. content uh, creators on the site. He is a very interesting mix of persona, a character with... Um, a skill in playing video games. Oftentimes on Twitch, you have people that are just a persona or personality and they they just talk to their audience. And then you have people that are just kind of skill-based. In my opinion, that would be somebody like a Shroud Mm -hmm. who is very good at the game, maybe on the personality side, not as vibrant, but still attracts a viewership because people want to see how people play games at a high level. He, he's the Kawhi Leonard of, of, of Twitch. Yes. Right. Um, baseball, right? <laughs> and uh, so, so Dr. Disrespect is a perfect mix of a high-quality game player with an incredible persona, with an incredible production value to, to kind of tie it all together. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing it for the last five or six years, and he's amassed 
Millions of followers on the site. Yeah, 4.4 million. Yes. He is repped by CAA. He has a two a, a large two-year deal with Twitch. Mountain Dew sponsorship, supposedly the largest ever by an individual gaming personality. Monstrous for the platform, even for the business of Twitch. He is a, a big earner. Yes, he's so big um, that he can anytime he streams you know he's automatically uh at the top of the top list of streamers and and sure. and he can move audiences and and there's been a lot of talk about him getting paid money to potentially move off site and that's what uh streamers like shroud and ninja the fortnite player who uh drake ended up kind of promoting and and he ended up blowing up but these guys have such a power to move audience it's now, I should probably tell people how much these guys make just so you can kind of see why it's important and why people care. I mean, on Twitch, there are four ways to make money. There's donations. So your viewers that are watching can directly donate money to you. Mm -hmm. That money is just... It comes in the form of like, hey, this person donated. Here's a message they said in hopes that Dr. Disrespect or somebody says it on their stream. So you get that sort of acknowledgement. It's a tip. Absolutely. It's a tip. The other uh, form is through subscriptions. Subscriptions are kind of where you get the bulk of it. Now, every month, somebody can subscribe to your Twitch channel. And at the very minimum, it's $5 a month and it goes up to $25 a month. Somebody like Dr. Disrespect has around 50,000 Twitch subscribers. Wow. So that times at least five. And then you have ad revenue through Twitch. So advertisers pay Twitch to advertise 30-second pre-roll ads or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they share that revenue with the creators. And then you also have sponsorships. These guys will get paid money from the developers and the video game companies to play their games sure. per hour. And that per hour can be anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000 wow. just to play a game. So on the on the high end, like somebody like a ninja could make potentially half a million dollars a month or more. Right. And somebody right. like Dr. Disrespect probably makes somewhere between a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. That's why when Mixer poached Ninja and Shroud, these deals were worth up to thirty million dollars for like a three-year deal because Unreal. these guys had to be incentivized to move and completely take their audience with them. Otherwise, they're doing just fine where they're at. So that's important to keep in mind because to get someone off of Twitch that is that caliber, that is that high on the tier, would cost a lot of money normally. Losing that audience, losing that base, losing that ability would cost a lot of money. So when Dr. Disrespect, a, a toxic gamer personality, that is kind of what he's known for, being over the top and, and uh, rambunctious and kind of almost making fun of troll culture a bit yeah. from what I've yeah, seen. absolutely. So... When he gets probably permanently banned from Twitch out of nowhere, out of nowhere, people who went to go watch him noticed that his account was taken off the site. He is he is reporting and telling people he doesn't know why. I, that's the drama I was brought into, that a guy could lose millions and millions of dollars overnight and not know why. Right. So there's not a lot of clarity. There's just a lot of speculation. Now, Dr. Disrespect in the past was suspended from Twitch because he was live streaming at E3 and happened to walk into a public bathroom, right. which is a no-no. We don't stream yeah. PP. And sure. uh, they they banned him for, I think, um, a couple weeks. There was also a, uh, a personal moment for him before that where he was kind of caught um, cheating on his spouse 
with uh, a viewer. Mm -hmm. And that turned into a thing where he took a leave of absence. Sure. And then ended up coming back bigger than ever. His audiences, they are so into the fact that he plays into the this actual persona that when the real guy, his name's Guy Beam, when the real guy does things that fit into the persona, it only like amplifies and snowballs his viewership. So when he came back from the accusations of cheating on his wife, his viewership had like doubled the first week. Yeah. And then when he came back from the Twitch ban from uh, uh, streaming PP, he came mm -hmm. back even stronger. So now the reason this is different is it's supposedly a permanent ban. There is no reasons why Twitch has banned people in the past before um, permanently without telling them exactly why. They'll just refer to their terms of service and their guidelines as sure. being violated. The rumors are, and I don't know how, you know, people that actually know what's going on are the people on the inside that work at Twitch. Everyone else is just assuming. Right. There are some rumors that Spotify wants to open up their own um, live streaming site. There's talk that maybe. Dr. Disrespect was trying to recruit other streamers to go off platform mm -hmm. to another site. Okay. I don't know how valid that is, but Spotify has been making deals with people like Joe Rogan in the podcast world. So it would make sense they would try and cover the live streaming side of this as well and gaming. Um, there's also just, it could be some rumors about charity. There's a lot of times these guys do charity streams where they raise money for charities. A couple times I've heard that um, there's been some back-end money that's been kept or um, not all the money was donated. There's kind of that gray area there. No one knows at this point. His right. entire subreddit is going crazy. No one seems to be upset in any way. They just want to know when he's coming back. Yeah. So I looked into it a little. Those are the rumors that I saw as well. But then also, you know, not at all saying this is what it is, but Twitch also has started a new kind of attack on streamers, much like the rest of the world who is facing sexual assault and predator accusations in their industries. So that is something that they have been acting on recently for streamers. And so people are thinking that's also another possibility for this banning. Yeah. The timing of that, that once once they kind of um, came out with their, we're going to be, we have a no tolerance policy when it comes to sexual assault. It was like the day after the Dr. Disrespect thing happened. So to make this sports related, I mean, the reason why I'm so connected to it is this is like if out of nowhere, just Kyrie Irving couldn't play in the NBA anymore. And they, they were like, you go play in the D League or CBA or whatever, but you have nothing to do with the place that you make millions in. And we're not going to tell you why that is a, and maybe it's for good reason. Maybe it's not whatever it is, but what a crazy uh, turn of events for a dude who was making more than a living was making a fortune playing video games in a mullet wig. Absolutely. I mean, that's got to be the worst part is that he's got to be in this wig the whole <laughs> yeah, time. What a bummer. Um, so maybe he takes his time to take it off and scratch his head. Uh, you know, this is uh, one of those things where when you are, you put all your eggs in a basket and, you know, in this case, Twitch is owned by Amazon. Yep. It's, it's a company and these companies can change the rules of the game at any moment. Yeah. Same thing with YouTube, same thing with, uh, you know, caffeine and all these other places. They are all owned by um, an investment group and they at the end of the day only care about money and they don't care about the um, livelihood of people that use their site for their own personal gain. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my bro. <laughs> Let's get into YouTube for a little bit. So I would call it your graduating class. I would say the the group of people who all came up together, you were involved in Maker Studios and mm-hmm. you knew all these people. These were your peers at the time. Yeah. The internet and YouTube in the early days, you know, the Wild West comparison is cliche and stupid and you heard it all the time, but comedy was lowbrow for YouTube when it first started. The nation seems to be changing and a lot of the names who came up uh, in those early days are now facing criticism for the videos they posted early in their careers. The ones that have hit mainstream uh, that I've been following, again, with no baseball to follow. Uh, Jenna Marbles uh, is a name I knew sort of from from your groups uh, back in the day. She was one of the other uh, people who uh, was sort of claimed to be better than her medium. She was, you know, kind of smarter and funnier uh, by a lot of people's gauges. She removes herself off YouTube after past videos go under fire for racist comments uh, and, and uh, homophobic stuff. And then Shane Dawson, one of the premier names, not only in YouTube from its start, but now uh, a massive millionaire, uh, apologizes for past racist jokes, blackface, pedophilia jokes, gets called out by Will Smith's family for making a Will Smith joke. His YouTube channel, similar to Dr. Disrespect, they have demonetized Shane Dawson's YouTube channel, meaning he can't make money from any of the videos he posts. And that 
also loops in a guy named Jeffree Star, who I unfortunately know about, who is a guy who has a makeup empire, so much of an empire, I, I while researching, I figured out he has a $14.6 million house. These people have made tons of money off YouTube, and they all have to basically run away uh, as a group, it appears, because all their comedy is now under fire from, from that early beginning they went through. What do you know as someone who was involved in that growth? You know, I, I think you touched on it there. I think growth is important. There are, uh, as you said, it, it was pretty low brow, and um, you had a lot of people that were doing comedy online that were also cutting their teeth online, but it was very visible. Like when I started in comedy, I, I spent about eighteen months doing stand up and just trying to do stand up, and I was bad at it. And you kind of have to be bad at it. But luckily, when you're doing stand up, it's in a club. Hopefully, it's not in a major city, and you're just kind of bombing in front of a few people. Right. The unfortunate thing with YouTube is that timing is everything. And you had a lot of these people who were cutting their teeth, but they were very visible in front of their entire audience. And so instead of finding out what jokes didn't work or um, worked and workshopping them privately, all that stuff was out in the open. And there was a lot... I mean, specifically, I think from Shane Dawson, he really experimented, if I'm going to use that word. Right. You know, Even back then, though... I don't think any of us were really okay with the fact that he was using blackface. There's not a lot of people from that era, I think, that did. He um, he had a character named Shanene yeah. that... Uh, and again, I'm sorry I know all this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, when, I, when I saw that character, I, I remember Martin Lawrence's show, Martin, yeah. and he had a character named Shanene. And I was just like, well, it seemed like Shane really borrowed heavily from that character. Um, with one big difference. <laughs> with one big difference right. that he he was uh, African American, and um, Shane didn't seem to make that connection and was kind of just thought everything was fair game. Comedy is comedy. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. And he did it a lot. And um, there's a lot of stuff that has come out in regards to sort of like his conversations and you know with underage sort of like inappropriate underage stuff was which is also there's a there's a video of him you know gesturing like he's gratifying himself to like a poster of willow smith and right. that's the thing that kind of um that got the smiths involved jaden yeah, you don't and, want and that Jada. yeah you don't want that you don't want yeah you don't want uh, a top tier a-list hollywood family coming after you and um and for, and for a gross clip i mean he's having his books removed from the shelves of target because of it he sure. his makeup is being pulled off of shelves how how much money do people like shane dawson jenna marbles what do they lose these people are all millionaires right. we should not feel that bad these people are making millions and millions of dollars a year and YouTube demonetizing Shane's channels. And it's not a permanent demonetization. It's a, it's a temporary thing and he will be back. And these sort of things honestly end up working in the favor because like you and other people that just log on to Twitter one day, all of a sudden see a face of somebody they've never heard of. Right. And then there's a million articles describing what this person's done. And eventually people will start to forget what they've done, but they'll remember the name yeah. and the face. And then these people just carry on. I mean, for your for your for YouTube and streaming and all these things, it seems like this is content. 
part part of part of the process of knowing someone and learning about them and like growing up with them is also seeing their huge fails. Yeah. And you know, not to, not to defend Jenna Marbles and Shane uh, Dawson because I never thought I'd even say that sentence, but I will say that both had apologized before. Both both had come clean about what they had done in the past and said it's shameful and et cetera. And and uh, you know, they're paying for it now and and in in you know, seems like for good reason. Um, but it is a very slippery slope and a strange time in America. And it does seem like streaming and YouTube is is taking a lot of the brunt. Um, look, and I and I'm totally with it. I think we're going in the right direction. Um, I think we need to be able to allow people to grow and understand that what was maybe okay then um, is not okay now. Yeah. And we should, you know, Jenna took a big step and removed herself from YouTube. Now, okay, that's that's great. Nobody asked her to do that. She kind of took the initiative to do that. She also has a very big... I mean, I, I'd say most of her presence... Not most, but she has a big presence on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, so she also live streams... And there's no talk about her leaving Twitch. It's kind of just on YouTube. So there's there's progress made. She, I think, dealt with the uh, apology a little bit better. With Shane's, it seems like there's a lot of, I used to be that guy. I'm not that guy. I can't even look at that guy anymore. There was less ownership over him. And he seemed to be distancing himself from himself. Yeah. But he's gone through this several times. And he will be back. And it's up to people to decide whether they watch him or not. You guys get to decide with who you click on and who you watch. And yeah. um, for a lot of you, it's your kids now. And um, what's good is that now you know the type of content that potentially your kids have access to. Because we used to think YouTube was just okay. And whatever was on YouTube is okay. But now we know there's a lot of stuff on YouTube that's not all right. And they have a whole section of it just for kids now. And yeah. um if you're a parent, when we were young, you used to have uh, you know parental controls on your TV, and you didn't have access to certain things that were rated a certain way. Should be the same way with YouTube. You should have complete transparency with what your kids are watching on YouTube because there's a lot of stuff Agreed. out there that they shouldn't be watching. Well, I'm just happy we didn't get into Makeup Gate. I'm proud that we didn't have enough time. <laughs> I am too. I can't. There's there's some stuff that I can read through, like the uh, the Twitch drama. But when it comes to uh, other things like um, beauty gurus and stuff like that, I, I I can't do it. Well, I wanted to at least get a pitch in there for your podcast called Pajama Pants, only because you you have all things you've done. You have reunited Robert Iller and Jamie Lynn Sigler from The Sopranos to do a podcast with you. And by the way, it has nothing to do with The Sopranos. It is just Absolutely. a hangout lifestyle talk podcast that just coincidentally has the two kids from the most iconic uh, television show of all time. Uh, what is your connection to the children of The Sopranos? Um, yeah, thanks so much for the plug. Um, me and Robert, we we met, uh, I don't know, six, seven years ago. We shot a pilot together and um, we got to be fast friends. And, you know, he, I met Jamie through Robert. Um, I take pride in the fact that there's, uh, it's, it's not a Sopranos rewatch podcast. There are three or four Perfect. other uh, rewatch podcasts, which are all good. Yeah. But to be honest, none of us have watched the entire series. So for us to talk about The Sopranos would be, um, it, it wouldn't be authentic. And I think what's good is that when it comes up, they talk about their experience, but we all, it's just three people talking about their lives, I think, which is um, the best part. But 
yes, if you're looking for a Sopranos podcast, even though we have Meadow and AJ Soprano, mm-hmm. probably not the best <laughs> podcast for you to listen Although to. Although Robert's like this mysterious cloak of a human being. He didn't want to act oh, anymore. he loves it. It, it, yeah. it. He's like this enigma of a human who's just, all we know is he loves Slipknot. It is a great, <laughs> it is a great personality to have out in public. So I'm happy that you're digging deeper. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, well, Kasim G, everybody go check out Pajama Pants and also let's uh, let's let's both loosen up on checking out uh, YouTube and, and Twitch drama. Yeah, we should also take a break, I yeah, think. We should call it. it a day. Thanks, Jensen. Thank you. The Sports Bubble is produced and distributed by Treefort Media. The show is executive produced by Kelly Garner, Lisa Ammerman, Matthew Kugler, and me, Jensen Karp. Tom Monahan is our senior audio engineer and sound supervisor with production and editing by Jasper Leake. Additional production help from Tim Schauer, June Rosen, and Haley Mandelberg. Our theme music is composed by Spilkus. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please visit feedingamerica.org. If you're able to make a donation, any amount makes a difference, and you can learn more about other ways you can help on their website. For more information on the Sports Bubble, links to the socials, and for show transcripts for our hearing-impaired listeners, go to treefort.fm. Be safe and be well. The Sports Bubble is a production of iHeartRadio and Treefort Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber. Not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say, nothing. Because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.